You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name's Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And if you are new to the Holistic Nootropics channel and you're watching this uh, podcast on YouTube, please take a second and remember to hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed this amazing podcast we're about to have, then give it a big thumbs up. And if you have any questions along the way, leave those down in the comment section below. If you are listening to this audio version, then head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave the podcast, in my preference, a five-star review, but you know, you do you, leave a nice review, and I do also try to respond to those, and those actually uplift me throughout the day when I get a nice review, so that's a little gift for me. And if you are someone who is looking for the highest quality supplements, nootropics, biohacking products, head on over to holisticnootropics.com and download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This is a fully comprehensive guide that walks you through ingredient by ingredient on what to look out for on products so you can get only the best that's out there because let's face it, there is a lot of junk out there. People are making a ton of money on supplements and you don't want to be a fool boost your body, boost your brain. That's what we're here for. Go get that supplement supplement guide over at holisticnootropics.com. And with that, let me bring in our guest today. Her name is Kathleen Trotter. Kathleen is a fitness... Oh, what did I do? Did I miss No, something? you didn't do anything. Oh. No, I was just... I No, I was getting excited when you said get to bring in our guest, Kathleen Trotter. I was just going to be say, I'm so excited to be here because your energy is just so infectious. Do people tell you that all the time? They like, do we were in line, like what was five, 10 minutes. We were chatting before we started hitting record. And I already feel like I'm 25% more energized. So can we just become friends and talk all the time? Because then I'll just, I'll feel so much better. Your listeners are really lucky to have you. They are so lucky. They don't even realize it. You guys are so lucky. You heard it from Kathleen first. I barely even got through her name and she just jumped out of her seat and was ready to roll. That's how awesome this podcast is going to be. By the it's way, it's going to be great. Nick, don't cut this out. We're leaving this in. We got to let the viewers know what we got going here. This is the the real deal. Okay. So <laughs> Kathleen is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and author of two books, Finding Your Fit, A Com- uh, Compassionate Trainer's Guide to Making Fitness a Lifelong Habit, and Your Fittest Future Self, Making Choices Today for a Happier, Healthier, Fitter Future You, along with having written many articles in a number of popular publications. Kathleen, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Well, I'm truly, truly happy to be here and I love your energy. And I think as the listeners can tell, I'm very passionate about life and health and wellness. Um, you know, it really, really changed my life. And so I'm always so excited to just chat with somebody else who seems also enthusiastic. Yeah, we've been having just a blast here before we even hit record, just talking about, you know, just stuff in the world. And I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you, you know, because um, especially being in this space, the fitness space, the health space, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is people who give a lot of advice and they give a lot of information, but you can tell they don't, they don't walk their talk. You know, Mm -hmm. they have the answers. They've done the, the reading on PubMed. They've listened to the experts, but there's still something missing. And so, you know, I can tell from your energy, like you said, with mine, you, you, you have a lot, you have a good spirit, you know, you have a lot of energy feel. It seems like you're very, uh, you have a lot of vitality and, you know, beyond the muscles, beyond the, you know, the workout regimens, beyond the fancy biohacking tricks and tips and nootropics and all that stuff. At the end of the day, I say, 
do you feel like you woke up and you were just shot out of a cannon and that just takes you through your day? And I, and I feel that from you. And so I can tell, you know, all of this knowledge you have when it comes to nutrition, fitness, it seems like you're embodying that and the people you work with and the people who read your writing and who watch your videos and who follow you on Instagram, which I do now, uh, are getting a lot of value from what you do. So I'd love to know Thank really you. just at the beginning, where does your passion for fitness come from? Did this, is this something you've always had, or is this something mm -hmm. that you built by overcoming something? I would love to know, you know, kind of a short synopsis of your fitness and health and wellness journey. Yeah. Well, I'd love to share it with you. And I think, but before I even share my journey, I want to say, you know, you tell me that I have this energy and I, I do have an energy, but I want everybody listening to know that I don't always have this energy. And I actually think that that's a really important thing to say, because I think part of what people get discouraged about health and wellness is they think, oh, they listen to trainers and they're like, oh, they always feel fit or they always feel motivated. Or, you know, they were born sort of feeling like, yeah, I got to work out. And the truth is, is that this is a mindset that has been sharpened. It's like a knife that has been sharpened over and over and over again. And I have a habit of putting my health and my wellness first, but it's come from many years of creating that habit. And I think one of the wonderful things about health and wellness is it's upward spiral. Like you start to move, you feel better. And then when you feel better, you want to move more and then you move more and you feel better, but it doesn't always start that way. And you have to find a way to create that fitter future you by making choices in this moment. So when you feel, when you wake up and you're feeling like, Oh God, I don't want to get up. Then instead of thinking like, Oh, well, but Kathleen is always motivated. I should quote unquote should just like pop out of bed, like a cannon. And I don't feel like that. So what's wrong with me? Think, no, Kathleen has those moments too. Just Kathleen has developed through years, the self-talk to say, Oh, interesting. Okay. You don't feel great now, but guess what? You will feel better when you move your body. Cause you always feel better when you move your body. Or, you know, when I'm tired at the end of the long day and I think, Oh my God, I just want to sit on the sofa. I say, no, you can sit on the sofa later, but first go for a walk because it'll help your blood sugar. It'll help you go with your dog. You go with your partner. His name is James. The dog's Olive. We go for a walk. We feel better. It helps our relationship. It helps the dog, like all of these things. But so much of the power of health and wellness is saying, yeah, I don't feel motivated right now, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it will, I will feel better. And it ultimately is the thing that it is the person I want to be. I'm embodying the identity of the type of person I want to be. So James Clear wrote this book, Atomic Habits, amazing book. Anybody listening, um, I really endorse it. And one of the things he says is like, everything you do is a vote for the type of person you want to be, like the identity that you want to hold. And so when you're in the moment where, you know, like they're like, oh, I don't want to, you're like, okay, no, I might not want to now, but I will feel better if I do this. And more importantly, the more I move, the easier it will be because I have the data that says like, I actually will feel better if I move. And my, my fitter future self is all, like my future self is always happier and fitter when I've done something. So I think that's a really important thing. Like, yes, I have energy, but I don't always have energy. I really, really, really don't. And sometimes it's extremely hard to make myself move. Um, and for the first half of my life, I really didn't have energy. So I grew up quite overweight, awkward. I'm like six feet tall. I taller than all the boys. And part of why I know this about myself that I feel better when I move is I've been in like 20 years of therapy. Um, and one of the things that my therapist did that was amazing at the beginning of our relationship was she said, for two weeks, you're going to keep a journal. You're going to put your um, energy, your mood on a scale of one to 10 before you work out and before you go to work. And then after you go to work and after you work out, you're going to put your energy. And I always felt better after both. 
And I have that data. And because I had years of my life where it was hard for me to get to work. It was hard for me to work out. It's hard for me to do anything. Like I just didn't want to get out of bed. And now when I have moments like that, because I still do, I really, really still do. I, I actually have this journal I can look at and I'm like, wow, there's concrete data that if I go work, like I love my job, but I don't always remember I love my job when I wake up at five in the morning, right? And I don't always remember that I love exercise, um, but I can pretty quickly remember because I can look at this journal or I can just say to yourself, Kathleen, when in your life have you been upset by working out? Oh, right. Never. Like the only workout you ever regret is the workout you don't do. Um, so, you know, sometimes I snooze the alarm a couple of times I get up, I don't do as long of a workout, but I always do it. Um, and then I always feel better. So I think that that's key, but it's a lifetime of learning, um, that I feel better when I move. Right. And it's a lifetime of creating new habits of creating votes for my future self that I want to be in and creating this identity of somebody that is the person who moves versus is the person who feels unbelievably awkward. And, you know, like when I was the first, I call it something like old Kathleen and the new Kathleen, although my therapist hates when I, when I do that, cause she's like, you know, they're all Kathleen and it's just been this evolution, but Anyway, I do it. And the first half of my life, the old Kathleen, you know, like I snuck food. I would lie to get out of gym class. Um, I, I hated my body. Like, honestly, like my mom really tried. She got me to try ballet. I hated that. You know, she tried hockey. I hated that. Baseball. I hated that. Gym class. I hated that. Like I hated everything. Um, and I don't know, I was maybe 16. And finally she just said, Kathleen, we have to find a way for you to move. And she's like, it has to be a way that works for you. So if you don't like your peers, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, how can we do it? Because it's a non-negotiable that you move your body, but it has to be something that works for you. So she got me a membership to the YMCA. We lived in a really small town and the demographic at the Y was sort of over 40 and under five. And so I just felt comfortable going because it wasn't people my own age. And I started walking on the treadmill for five or 10 minutes. And then I did some weight training and then I started taking aerobics classes. Um, and then I liked them so much. They asked me to teach aerobics class and it just sort of like spiraled from there. Um, and the lesson from that journey is actually my first book, Finding Your Fit, uh, because I had to find my fit. And I think that that's where we get in a really big trouble in the fitness industry. It's like, oh, that celebrity does that, or Kathleen does that, or Eric does that. I should do that. It's like, no, you have to find, yes, fitness is a non-negotiable, but you have to find what works for you. That might be dancing around your living room. That might be playing a sport. That might be weight tra training, right? That might be Zumba classes. Like, I don't know. And honestly, I don't even really care. Um, as long as it works for you, it's sustainable. It's realistic. It doesn't cause injuries, right? It works with you, your schedule and your life realities and your financial realities. So yeah, I don't know. That's a really long story, but the net of it is, is just you make the price of admission, extremely small, right? Like going to the Y, I went for 10 minutes and walked on the treadmill, right? So you make that bar at the beginning really small and you slowly build and you spiral and you go once and you feel good, which makes it easier to go a second time. Um, and you find what works for you and you forget about your favorite celebrity or your mother or your dad or, dad or your sister. And you do you and you say to yourself, this is a non-negotiable in some way every day. And how am I gonna make that happen? Um, and so much of the, how is it going to happen is just letting go of the shoulds and the shame and being like, okay, this is me, this is my body. And my body's different than 20 years ago. It's different than 10 years ago. And it'll be different in 20 years. So along the life spectrum, what you do is going to change as long as you keep moving. So that's, that's my story. Does that help? <laughs> no, that's, that's actually, I mean, very relatable for so many people. And I'm so glad that you, you kind of caught me there where it was, you know, I do have a thing where I say, you know, 
you should feel like you want to wake up and like you, you got shot out of a kid. Like to me, that's my throughout the day. Like I do a lot mm-hmm. and I go to the gym and it, that's pretty effortless for me. And you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. Great. Congratulations. That. that it's effortless for most people. It is not. Yeah. And the thing is, is that problem is, is that people then feel shame. It's like, Oh, but it should be effortless. It's like, right. well, maybe. And some days it is right. Like some days I'm sort of pulled towards being active and some days I'm not. And it doesn't matter. Both days right. I'm active. You but know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm very like you where for me it was, it took a long time. For, I didn't just like, you know, I wasn't, I don't have like these amazing athletic genetics and they're like, Oh dude, you're going to go work out and you're going to be this suit. No, like I'm working against a lot of, uh, a lot of nature, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it took a lot. It took a while. I, I don't know. I've just always been into like sports and working out mm-hmm. and kind of being a meathead and all these things. Um, but, but I still, I just, I just love going to the gym and it's like you, it's like, I love that feeling. Mm -hmm. And for me though, it's translated into, I know today's gonna be a good day because I wake up in the morning and there's just, it's not even like physically, I can just get out of bed and I'm ready to attack. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a motivation. There's like a, there's like a passion. There's a purpose in Mm -hmm. my head and fitness a hundred percent plays into that because Mm -hmm. I do prioritize movement. Even when I don't want to, it's like several times a day and it's almost automatic now. And if I don't do it, it's, it's like, what, what's going on? I I almost feel depressed because I didn't move. So it's like, absolutely. So to me, the, the, the gateway drug was walking. It was just like, you know, it just started this habit years ago where it was like, if I eat, I'm going to go walk. Right after mm-hmm. I eat, I go walk. Just get such up a good thing just... to do for your blood sugar control. Like eat a light walk after you eat, so important. Yeah, like it's good for everything. It's good for your mind. It's good, you know. But it's yeah, it's a great way, and it's easy, right? And making that, I love that gateway drug, like what you said, like making it easy at the beginning. Like that's so important because we got to build the habit. Like you said, you said now it's almost. Uh, you said it's effortless, but then you said to something else like that it's automatic is the word you used. Mm-hmm. And what I love is so much of the process of health and wellness is initially being unbelievably conscious and effortful so that eventually it becomes unconscious and effortless. Yeah. Like right on a continuum, it's never zero effort, but the more things you can automate, because we all only have a certain amount of cognitive and emotional like energy, right? Like we can't think about everything in the world all at once. We can't think about everything about our body. Um, and so the more things that you can automate, the better, but in order to automate it, you have to think about it first. So mm-hmm. I think that's where people get it in this tricky part about health and wellness because they listen to people like us who have automated things. And we say, Oh, it's, yeah, it's effortless or it's automatic. And they think, Oh my God, but it's not automatic for me. And I say to you, yeah, but that's fine. It has to be like, you have to consciously find ways to fit the habits into your day. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it becomes much more automatic. And the more you exercise, the more your body craves it. Right. But in order to crave it, that it has to become your new normal. And in order to become your new normal, you have to first make it very conscious. So the, the for like the path of learning anything is first you are unconscious incompetent, right? So you're doing something wrong and you don't even know it. So, you know, you're not moving your body and you're not even aware that you're not moving your body or you're eating a bunch of sugar and you're not even aware you're eating a bunch of sugar. It could be anything. It could be a thought pattern, right? You're really negative about your thoughts and you're not even aware that that's a problem. And then the next stage is you become consciously 
incompetent. So you're still doing the thing, quote unquote, wrong. It doesn't serve you, but at least you're aware of it. So you're like, oh my God, this food I eat has so much sugar in it. I had no idea it was hidden or I'm not moving my body. My doctor says I really need to move more, whatever it is. So you figure out like, oh, I'm really negative in my, my self-talk. That's not helping. If you figure out the problem um, or like, it could be that you have a running injury, like an injury that you caught from running or walking or lifting. And at first you have this injury and you have the injury, but you don't know why you have it. And then you know why you have it, but you're still doing that biomechanics incorrectly. So then the next stage is you are consciously competent. So you can walk or lift properly, but you have to really think about it. You can make yourself exercise, but you have to consciously make yourself do it. Like that's the habit where you're being very aware of it. You can do it properly, but only if you're aware of it. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is if you do those things enough where you're really aware, then you get to the mother load, which is when you're unconsciously competent. And that's where you've got to most of the time. And that's where me too, most of the time, I don't have to think about it. I just gravitate towards the healthier food. I gravitate towards drinking water. I gravitate for going to the walk, but that's because I went through that huge phase. And that was a 20 year process where I slowly, slowly moved more from conscious competent to unconscious competent. And that's a beautiful place to be because once it's automated, um, it doesn't feel as effortful anymore. It just sort of happens. It's just part of your day. It's part of your identity. It's just part of what you do. Uh, but you got to be willing to kind of go through the suck of those four phases. You got to be willing to go through the process of having like the self-talk really strong. It's like, yeah, you don't want to do this right now, but you will in the future be happy that you do it. Like you have to push through. Um, and that's a hard place. Like that, that phase is hard because it takes a lot of effort and you want to give up all the time. But you just can't give up. If people are listening, it's like, don't give up, keep going. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves to, like you were saying at the beginning, to do this right, to do and and weight is probably the most, uh, is probably the biggest hurdle for people. And I've been thinking about this for a while now, but mm -hmm. this idea that the problem with fitness and the problem with health and wellness is the obsession with weight. And it's like, you can lose 20 yeah. pounds by doing this and 10 pounds by doing this. And yeah, mm -hmm. of course, like there is obviously the connection between how you look and weight. And when you lose a lot of weight, you look great. If you gain a lot of weight, you don't look as good. But I think that in order to lose the optimal amount of weight or to get to where you want, it's almost like it's almost like approaching health and wellness from a perspective where weight loss is a side effect. It's not the yeah. main goal because when you do all the, all the stuff, right. Like, and you can do all it's instead of saying, I can't do all the stuff, right. You can just take one thing at a time and go, okay, I baby can steps, baby steps, yeah. baby steps. Right. So it's like, I always, when I work with people as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I don't go, we're going to overhaul your whole diet. And now no, it's going it to be eight glasses of water. And it's this and that. No, no, no. You go, we're hmm. just going to master your breakfast. We're going to master yes. the first hour of your day, because if you can get the first hour of your day, it just cascades mm -hmm. into the rest of it, especially when Absolutely. you're talking about blood sugar control. Like, oh my the, God, yeah. You want to set the blood sugar roller coaster off. It's like, you know, eat a donut, drink a coffee <sighs> first thing in the morning and you're toast, right? The whole day's done. Yeah, no, for sure. But if you eat like a high protein breakfast and, mm -hmm. you know, you avoid, you know, starchy carbohydrates as long mm -hmm. as you can throughout the day. I'm not saying go keto. I'm not saying give up carbs. I'm saying mm -hmm. hold them off till later. Then you mm -hmm. start to see like, 
oh, like I'm not hungry. Like I'm not starving an hour I ha- after I have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not snacking throughout the day. And then I'm not tired at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And then I can go to the gym right after work. Yes, I can go yes, to the gym yes, first yes, thing yes. in the morning. And then you see these little things, they start to cascade mm-hmm. down instead of going, mm-hmm. okay, here's my plan. I've got to lose 30 pounds. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do all this stuff and it's going to, ha- no, no, no. Yeah. It's like, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to master the first hour of my day. Then I'm going to master the second half of my day. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to start throwing in these other things like uh, taking the right supplements or walking mm-hmm. after I eat or, mm-hmm. you know, giving up instead of having, you know, uh, three drinks every night, I'm going to have a drink or I'm going yeah. to like not drink every other or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you just said so many amazing things in there. So I'm like, what do I want to respond to? But yeah. I think I'll start with, you know, one of the problems with having weight loss as a goal is it really sets health as a finite game. And that the problem is, is it's not right. So this idea of finite versus infinite games, right? And health is an infinite game. Basically, we have the pleasure um, and the honor of working on our health until the day we die, right? It's a problem of privilege to deal with your health because it means you're alive. If you have a sore muscle, if you have to lose some weight, like whatever it is, not as saying it's easy, but I am saying that the problem is with having a short-term goal like weight loss is so many people have like, okay, I'm going to lose this weight. And then they get to it, they lost the weight and then the goal is done. And then they start eating the way they used to eat or they start not moving their body. So I'm not arguing that weight should never be one of your short or long-term goals or one of the variables that you're thinking about. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of making it the ultimate for so many reasons, because I do think it's so much about, you know, how you feel and how you're sleeping and your relationship to your body is really important. And especially for women, weight can be such a landmine of just problems with disordered eating and all that stuff. But mainly, I really just think that it causes this problem of like, you work really hard to to reach a goal because it's, and with the idea of a finite game, right? It's like a game, it's like an end at a certain date, and then you stop playing the game. And that's not what health and wellness is. It is a lifestyle thing. And it's something that you do forever that you're alive. And it's, as I said, it's a problem of privilege. So I want my clients to start to think about this for a long, sustainable thing. And it's, it's a long-term thing. It's an infinite game that we play for while we're alive. And the rules, the thing with the infinite game is it's sort of the rules sort of change as you go. So meaning is what you said. So it's like, okay, so right now my goal this week is to maybe walk three times a a week and have vegetables at my breakfast. And then you, you master that. And then you get the next goal. And then, so it's this ever sort of iterating process that you build on as you get those little wins and they compound. Um, and it's like, or little drops in a bucket. And then all of a sudden your sort of health bucket is overflowing. So I think starting to look at it more as a long-term goal with different goals within it. So you can say, okay, so, you know, this week, I'm going to do this week. And then, as you said, I'm going to add this on. Um, and as an identity shift too, like, that's why I really like the idea of the James Carr, like a vote for the future person you want. Sorry, James Carr is the finite and infinite games. James Clear is the um, the voting for who you want to be. And it's very connected to my idea of the second book, which is your fittest future self, right? So if you want to be in 20 years, the type of person who's getting off and down with your kids or your grandkids and still playing sports at 40, 50, 60, 70, and, you know, feel strong, like to be able to can drive and turn their head and like not hurt themselves lifting up groceries. So if that's the person you want to be going forward, then now is the moment you have control over, right? And so if you can create these little wins and then the little wins help, keep you motivated to keep going. Right. So I think, I think a lot of people, when they hear things like what you said, like, Oh, well, just, you're going to master this. And then you're going to these little wins. They think, Oh, that's sort of 
not lazy, but they sort of, they sort of dismiss it as it's not hard enough. Um, and you're not like holding yourself accountable enough. And my point only is it's not that you're saying, I want you to drink water and then stop, or I want you to like go for a 20 minute walk and that's enough. What I'm saying is that's what you can control in this moment. And those little wins will make you feel good about yourself. And then they will compound and allow you to do other things that will then get you to a goal that's in a month and then another goal that's in two months and then another goal that's in three months. But the ultimate goal is to stay on the journey till the day you die. And that's the biggest problem with, you know, as a weight loss, as a goal, it's like you, you know, you boom and bust, you're like, okay, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And then you're like, okay, I've done the goal. And then you fall off the wagon and that boom and bust cycle, like that's the biggest thing. And so many people fall into it. And then it just creates a crazy shame spiral. And I don't know. It's just, it's so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for you. I think small changes and I think gradual progression and I think sort of meeting yourself where you are. Um, and then I'm a big, big believer in just having a growth mindset. So like everything we do is simply data, right? So if you end up falling off the horse, like if you say, okay, you tell a client, okay, so the, today your goal is to have a high protein, high veg, like fiber breakfast. And then the client doesn't do that. Then it's like, okay, well, we're not going to shame you for that. What we're going to say is like, okay, so it's interesting. Why, you know, and maybe the person says, oh, well, I got up so late. I couldn't cook breakfast. And they're like, okay, so maybe your problem with your breakfast was actually not breakfast. It's that you went to bed too late. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, and then maybe you went to bed too late because you had too much coffee late in the day. So maybe the issue is actually the coffee, which then causes too late to bed, which causes you, then you can't get up early enough to make the healthy breakfast. So maybe like, you know, we have four dominoes earlier than we have to look at, or maybe it's a preparation thing. Like you have to have the smoothie made before you go to bed at night. And the smoothie has to have lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and protein powder or like whatever it is. Um, but it's not a thing to shame about. It's just a way to learn. I don't know. Does that land any of that land? Absolutely. No, I think, I think you nailed, uh, I think you nailed it on the head because people, people really have a hard time with discipline, um, with consistency mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's not like, obviously I, I don't know what it is about us, but we have this thing where it's like the second we do something wrong it's like, we just dive into that, that shame spiral and yes. we're like, Oh, I so, dangerous. so it's like, I might as well just have this whole box of donuts. Like I, I, know, you know, I might as well. Yeah. 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 You know? And I think, I, I mean, I can't step into other people's um, minds and say what they say, but it goes back to, again, the power of habits, right? Because, you know, once you, once you know what it's like to feel a 10, you know exactly what you feel, what it feels like to feel a six and feel a yeah. five. And there's so many people, I'd say most people are probably living at a three or a two yeah. or a four. And that's just how they go about the day. And that's why they love the stimulants or mm -hmm. the, the external substances, because they take you out of that feeling like a three or four and they artificially crank you up to like a nine or 10, but then mm -hmm. they, they bring you back down. Um, mm -hmm. Which is like, yeah, so this is this is why, I, you know, I especially love things like, um, you know, supplements and nootropics yeah. because uh, and not like saying like you have to live off these things and they're necessary mm -hmm. to survive, but they complement those feelings of like, uh, like, for instance, helping you feel joy when you may when it may feel hard to uh, feel joy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like a good adaptogen uh, mm -hmm. or something or, or even just like having the right diet with the right timing of foods, the right sleep, which actually brings me to the next question I want to ask you, which is where do you think circadian rhythm fits into 
like how successful somebody can be on a fitness regimen because you were talking about, well, why did you have three coffees? Oh, because I didn't sleep well last night. And this is like such a problem for so many people. And nothing has brought this more to my attention than wearing the aura ring. And I mentioned this in so many podcasts that the aura ring literally changed my life because I saw what happens to my heart rate and my heart rate variability and my deep sleep when I have a drink before I go to bed or if I eat too late. Um, And the second I started making just like, we're talking about tangible, actual data that you can like Mm -hmm. move around and actually biohack. Like nothing has been more powerful for me than being like, here's the time that I should eat. Right. And then if I don't eat no pressure, but I know that the next day I'm going to be a little brain foggy. I'm going to be a little off. Um, so I would love to know like how you view something like circadian rhythm and, and where it plays into your whole kind of regimen. Okay. So two things, first of all, I'm smiling because um, and listeners don't know this, but before we started to talk on the podcast, I was saying that I felt like we were meant to talk because one of your other podcasts was talking about um, like women's health. And I was reading a book about that. And then what's hilarious is you asked me about the circadian rhythm. And I, the other book I'm currently reading is called The Circadian Code. So, uh, if anybody yes. find, so if anybody finds what we're going to talk about next interesting, I really highly suggest that book. But I just, I'm smiling because I just, I really think that we were meant to have this interview because I, yeah, that's awesome that you're on that. So I'm going to answer this question, but I do also want to say you said something about discipline about seven minutes ago. And once we're done this question, I'd love to go back. And because I do have a thing about discipline, I'd like to say that I think is connected to what you were saying. Uh, but I'll answer your question first. So yeah, circadian code. So the book, um, the book circadian code, and also I'm a big fan of a podcast called um, the Huberman lab. He's a scientist from Stanford, Andrew Huberman. He's great. So if you like this topic, he's also had a number of podcasts on um, this topic, but I, I would say that it connects broadly to my belief that it's about un- that health and wellness is largely about understanding how the body works, the body, the brain, because once we understand that we can actually often step out of the shame spiral and say, this is actually just like how our physiology works. And so once you understand that with circadian rhythms, if you get light in the morning, that sets your physiology off um, to set you up for success, basically. So a lot of things I do with my clients, honestly, like a little win for them, as I just say, every single morning, you have to get outside, even like in a perfect world, you get out for a walk. But even if you can't get out for a walk, sit outside and have your morning coffee, or your morning athletic greens, or your morning what a smoothie or whatever, on your back porch, or on your front porch, or on a balcony, because real light has a huge impact on your biology. And then when you have the real light, it sets out your hormone cascade. So then you're actually tired to go to bed and the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is the more you can understand your body. Cause it's so like, people will come to me and be like, Oh my God, Kathleen, you know, I'm a, they have shame around. I can't sleep or I don't have energy or this, and that. And I'm like, okay, but so step away from the shame. Let's just analyze this. And how can we understand if we understand how your brain and your body and your neurotransmitters and your, you know, all of this works, then we can set you up for success without this blame game. Um, And actually, I'm going to tie discipline into this. So this is an example of how, if you understand, so part of the issue is we think that health and wellness is about discipline. I actually don't believe it's about discipline at all. I believe it's about understanding who you are, who, what our human biology is, and then setting yourself up for success. So one of the problems is, is that motivation, you know, it's this emotion that kind of comes and goes and you have a goal. You're like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Your motivation is really high you think that you're always going to be motivated because you feel motivated in that moment. Here's the thing. Once you understand how the science of the brain works, you understand that that is what's called 
present bias. So our brain values how we feel in any given moment more than how we might, how we think we might feel in the future. So you wake up in the morning and you're tired and your brain totally unconsciously, this is not like a conscious thing thinks, Oh my God, well, if I feel tired now, I'm always going to feel tired. So what's the point of getting up? I'm a tired person. You then have to use your mind, your strobe light of attention and say, brain, you, your, our physio, your physiology might make you feel this way, but that's not true. If you work out, you will feel more energized. So once you understand that present bias is a thing that all of us humans have, this is not a problem with you. This is not your lack of motivation. This is not your lack of discipline. This is not you being a failure. This is literally just human biology. Then you can say like, when I feel tired, I don't say, okay, Kathleen, oh my God, you're a failure. You feel tired. I say, okay, Kathleen, you feel tired now, but you know that your brain is tricking you and you cannot believe everything that you think. Um, you have to get yourself and you go for a walk and you'll feel better, you know, after the walk is done. So. So it's all about stepping back and kind of witnessing the situation and then saying, okay, this is my emotion in the moment, but every emotion we, it's valid, but not necessarily true. Right. Um, and this is how you feel in this moment, but you know this about the brain and, and it's not, it's not about shaming yourself. It's about having that growth mindset of, of what can I learn from this situation and what can science teach me? Um, and how can I evolve into the person who, you know, creates, who makes the choices that serve me versus the choices that don't serve me. What do you think about all that? No, I think that, I think it's the present bias thing is interesting. And actually, when you said that, I I immediately thought of the importance of tracking. It's important to record things so you can see like, yeah, you know, like even when you're making progress, even when you're making gains, even when you've come so far, it's so easy for yourself to forget like how far you've actually come. I totally agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been into crypto, uh, for the last year and really like, and and it's funny because now I'm like starting to understand like, um, candlestick charts, right. And so you look at these candlestick charts. You know, this you'll have to do a whole sidebar where you teach me stuff. I feel like I'm constantly listening, listen to podcasts on like crypto and all that stuff. And I finished the podcast being like, I understood every single word of that podcast, but all of it together, I have no idea what it meant. So right. please teach me something. Okay. If you're learning crypto from me, you're going to make some real bad mistakes. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> so you don't, so this is just uh, not to talk about crypto, but just like the uh, analogy of a, of a candlestick chart where when okay. you look at, when you look at like Bitcoin, for instance, the, everybody's like, Oh, Bitcoin is so unpredictable. It's crazy. And it is like, it's up, it's down every single day. But mm-hmm. when you take a step back and then mm-hmm. you go, how's it done for the year? It's done phenomenal for the year. Right, right, right. right. Like okay, it's done, I understand what you're saying. The general trend. Right. For, it's like, yes, yes, if, yes. If you're in it day to day, you will lose your mind. Like it takes a certain yeah. kind of person to be like a day trader and to be like, yeah. I'm going to buy Not when me. it's down. I'm yeah. going to sell when it's, uh, you have to be, you have to be, it, it will drive you crazy. Right. Because, mm-hmm. but when you take a step back and you go, well, what's this thing mm-hmm. done for the last 18 months? It's gone up mm-hmm. uh, like three times, four times. Like yes. if you invested in Bitcoin in March, 2020, uh, you're mm-hmm. up 20 times right now. Yes. But if you invested a week ago, you're down mm-hmm. five, like, uh, right, 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 like 10%. Right. Yeah. So the point is, is that training and, and, and self-development is very much the same, not even, not self-development, but health and wellness. It's very much mm-hmm. the same thing where it's like, yeah, dude, I, I say, I want to wake up every day and feel like I'm shot out of a cannon. Do I feel like that every day? Hell no. Like there are plenty of days. uh, And I would Mm -hmm. say many days where it's like, I wake up, man, I just sit in bed for like 10 minutes. I'm like twiddling my thumbs and I'm like, (laughs) totally, totally, totally. And I'm like, you know, just kind of like moving my legs around. And I'm like, 
yeah. okay, I'll get up now. I'll you know? Know. Yeah, yeah. And, but you and want then, the general trend. I, I, I think you're brilliant. And it's like a, you want that paradigm shift. So it's like, we all have bad and worse days, but you right. want your good days to be more frequent and sort of better yes. and your bad days to be softer and less frequent. And you want to course correct faster, right? Like, this is what I say to all my clients. Like you don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect, but the faster you can course correct then the less. So you know, as you said before, people shame spiral. So, so often what happens is somebody has a bad day, they have a cookie and they didn't mean to. And then the one cookie turns into five cookies, which turns into pizza, which turns into alcohol, which turns into like a month of being sort of off their horse and the healthier you are, or like they miss one workout and then that turns into missing five workouts or 10 workouts. Um, and the healthier you are, the better you can course correct and sort of say like, I missed a workout, but that's okay. Why don't I go for a walk or, mm. you know, and then the next day you get right back on the horse. So they say, Oh, I had an Oreo okay, well, that's not great. I didn't love that. It's processed food. It's crap. I probably could have made a better choice, you know, with my, with my treat, but I did it so fine. And now I'm going to go have a salad or I'm going to drink some water or so it's the course correcting, but it's that what's exactly what you just said, like, where's the trend, you know? And as long as you're upward in the trend and you're having more of those good days, more of the aware days, um, you know, if, when I first started a good day literally was walking on the treadmill for 20 minutes and a bad day was sitting and eating like a pound of chocolate almonds. Right. Mm -hmm. And now if I had a couple of chocolate almonds, I have, you know, two to 10, I don't have a whole pound of them. Right. And my good day is like, you know, running, you know, I've done Ironmans, I've done marathons or so like my, my good days are much, much better than a 20 minute walk, but you got to start at the 20 minute walk. And then you sort of like toggle, you know, up the, up the paradigm. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, man, it's like when you just like, I love like the idea of like fractals and the thing that everything is like relative. And it's like this kind of pattern, this up and down pattern. It, it's like a heartbeat. That's a heart rate variability. It's like who we are mm -hmm. at the essence of us, where you're going to have up, you're going to have down. Yeah. But it's like, when you know what it's like to be a 10, you know exactly what it feels like to be a five. I was saying it before. Mm -hmm. I think I got sidetracked, but I think I'm my sorry, point I probably was, interrupted. No, I'm, just no, like, no, no. I'm so interested in all this. I love no, it. We're having a blast. Um, but my point is, is that when you, when you know what it's like to feel a 10, or if you're coming from a four and then you just start mm -hmm. peaking, right. You like, mm -hmm. you finally break through and you're like, Oh man, I feel like an eight today. I've not, I, have, I can't mm -hmm. remember the last time I felt like an eight. I feel amazing. I'm getting out of bed. I'm, I'm like, you know, I just have energy. I don't need to drink three coffees. I'm just killing it. Everything is like yeah. flowing. I'm in flow. I'm getting work done. And then you fall off the wagon and you have a bag of Oreos or you go out and you have a, you know, a, a long night of drinking or it's somebody's birthday, whatever, or it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever, like yeah. it is now. And you're just going crazy. You know, though, you know, you're yeah. like, Snap I want to get back. back. I want to get back mm -hmm. to that eight. I want to get back to that yeah. nine. And now mm -hmm. I know because I lived my whole life at a four and every day I'd mm -hmm. wake up with brain fog and I was just like, Oh, that's yeah. just what it is. And I'd have a little inflammation in my elbow, my knee, my mm -hmm. ankles would hurt. I know what that's like. Oh, I know what it's like to be moody. I know what it's like to be tired at two o'clock. And then all of a sudden you don't feel like that anymore. All of mm -hmm. a sudden you're like, Oh my God, like, what is it? Three o'clock. And I'm just still mm -hmm. grinding and I'm getting, yeah, I'm falling asleep good. right at 10 mm -hmm. and now you know what that's like. And it's like you said, you can course correct and you can go. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me. I have the habit of going to the gym. Yeah. I have yeah. the habit. Or it's of, easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to like, uh, willpower myself, like, mm -hmm. like, like do these mind tricks to like mm -hmm. get myself. It's like, no, I just want to go back to the gym. Cause I want to feel that way. Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pulling just all you towards that. it. Yeah, no, for sure. I liked your point about tracking too. I think, cause I do think that there's a part 
of it that, especially at the beginning, you don't always know what are positive and what are sort of negative influences. Like I've had so many clients that say like, Oh, drinking alcohol does not impact, you know, my sleep. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to track it for a bit. And then, you know, after a month, they're like, Oh my God, Kathleen, you were right. Or, you know, even with myself, I got into a habit in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it was harder and I was a little bit more depressed. And I was drinking too much coffee. And then I started tracking it. And I just like, it did, I was not sleeping as well because I was drinking, you know, more coffee and later on in the day. And like, so it's just, I think that, I think tracking is hugely important. Like I've had some clients do um, like continuous glucose monitoring. That's also really, it's so, so, so interesting because what one person reacts to so strongly, another person won't, or, you know, and then they can see how their blood glucose is after they've gone for that little walk. And because I think that's also the issue is that we can trick ourselves because we'll say like, Oh, well, what does it matter? A 15 minute walk? Like that's not enough workout. Like I'm not going to, it's not even a big deal. Um, And I, first of all, I really truly believe that something is always better than nothing. And that small bits of motion add up, but that's easy to say. But if you have a monitor and you can say Mm -hmm. like, you can see, Oh, my numbers are actually better. Like once I've gone for a walk, or even if you're just tracking your steps and you can see like, Oh, that extra 20 minute walk at the end after dinner, like really impacts my step, um, uh, like how many I'm getting on an overall like monthly basis, right? Like, so when you can see it, then you can use that data to convince yourself to do those things when you don't want to, or like if you track water and then you're like, Oh, I feel better. My skin is better. I'm sleeping better. Then again, you can see like, okay, well the, the months I didn't drink as much water, I didn't feel as good or whatever it is the sleep or the, cause I think there's a lot of things about health that kind of captain obvious suggestions of health, like getting more sleep, drinking more water, meditating. Like there's a lot of things that people are like, they kind of poo poo because they know them so much um, and they seem almost overly too simple that they're like, whatever, what does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter? Um, and I think when you can dial those captain obvious things in on a consistent basis, you really do feel the difference. And most of us really need consistently to do the captain obvious things. Like we don't need complexity. We need to dial in on the, on the consistent good habits, you know, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, don't eat right before you go to bed. Don't drink a bunch of alcohol right before you go to bed, like move every day, but they're almost so simple that when clients will bring in their like food journals or whatever. And prior to it, I will say like, you know, are you doing all these things? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they say, yeah, yeah. Because they know it, like they know they should, but they're not actually doing it or they're overestimating the amount of times they are doing those positive habits and underestimating when they're not. And then when we look at it, we're like, oh, you know, you ate second portion. Were you actually hungry? Well, no, you didn't drink enough water here. And they're like little things, but they make mm-hmm. a big difference. And they're com- quote unquote common sense, but there's that Stephen Covey quote, like common sense isn't, com- isn't usually common practice. And I think that's the biggest thing with health, right? Like there's so many things that we know. Um, but again, uh, Derek, I think it's Derek Severson says like, if knowledge was enough, we would all be billionaires with six pack abs, right? It's like, we know what we should be doing, but like doing it on a consistent basis, it's, it's very hard. So I think your point of the tracking just gives you data. And the more data you can have, the more you can use that data to uh, manage your health. And I also just think it's like, often you, people are like, oh, really? Like it does make a difference? Oh, I didn't actually think it did, right? So, uh, you know, then they can stop trying to find that like miracle diet or the perfect diet or the best workout. Uh, Cause I think we often try to find those things, those miracles, because we're not just doing the consistent stuff. Yeah, it's in the diet puts so much pressure on people. Like I cannot believe that Weight Watchers is still around, but they are, and people do it and I get it has its place, but 
it's like when you're just attaching points to foods and then, you know, the thing is you were mentioned the continuous glucose monitor and I've never worn one, but I I've talked to people who do. And mm-hmm. it's just so wild when you start seeing just the complete variation in people yes. and how they react to certain foods. Like we're just told, we're just hit over the head with this hammer of health of saying sweet potatoes are better than white potatoes. Sweet potatoes are better than white. But I know several people who wear those CGMs and sweet potatoes make them go crazy. And white potatoes. I, I completely flat. agree. Yeah. And yeah. I've uh, never worn one either, but it's fascinating. I have lots of clients who do that. And it's really interesting to see. It's exactly what you said. Like some people, rice will be a big thing. Some people it's not. Some people pasta will be a big thing. Like different potatoes. Um, like, yeah, it's great. It's really crazy. And it's really great to know what it works or doesn't work for you. And if you can't wear one of those monitors, just being learning to be aware of like when you eat something, actually taking a moment to be like, okay, so now how do I feel for the rest of the day? Right. Right. And I think that a lot of us are so divorced from our bodies and divorced from how we feel. And to your point, because we always feel like a four, then you eat a food that makes you feel like a three or a four. And it's just like, it's quote unquote normal. But I do think that that's once you can have periods where you feel better, then you eat a food where you feel like crap. And you're like, oh, I don't want to feel like this, but you got to give yourself enough time where you're actually eating like vegetables and doing the, the workouts and drinking the water so you can actually feel good. So then the four doesn't feel like doesn't just feel like you're every day. Right. Like, and I think that is a big problem is a lot of us, we don't know what it feels like to get enough sleep, to not be burnt out, to be moving our bodies, you know, so give yourself a month where you do that, some of the stuff and see how it feels. Um, and then, then you can tell when you're actually putting the stuff in your body that it doesn't feel good. Yeah. This is why with the, with the food journals, you were talking about doing a food journal. You know, I like to have uh, a feelings journal with it. You know, I like people to write their feelings down um, because as they go through the day, they don't realize like, you know, you eat something and then within that hour, you're going to feel good or you're going to feel not good. And where are you on that spectrum? And then when you start putting that together, you can very quickly find the foods like, Hey, see what happens every time you eat a bologna sandwich or see what happens every time you eat a pop tart at this time of day, what happens like the next hour you feel anxiety, depression. But then there was that day you didn't have that. And you didn't feel that like, and, and there's something powerful about actually writing it. You know, there's like a yes. complete connection between the movement of the hand, the brain thinking left brain, right brain are coming together. Alchemy's happening. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Like that's what happens when I eat a bologna sandwich. I don't yeah. feel good. I feel like I have this anxiety problem, you know? And now it's like, how do I get rid of the anxiety? Well, you don't got to take anti-anxiety meds. You could just get rid of the bologna sandwich. Like wouldn't totally. that be much yeah. cheaper and much more sustainable? Um, so I, 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 I work and love you. Like, I love that you just said that you gave your clients an, like a mood. I, yes. And the, one of the other reasons why this is amazing is because it makes your health and wellness choices, something that you're doing for you versus a should. Like, honestly, I think so much of the problem is, is we think, well, I've been told I should have vegetables. It's this external force. And then we react with our like adolescent lesson rebellion of like, screw you. Like, I don't want to eat vegetables, but if you would put journals down, you've done a journal and you can see that you actually feel better Then it's not an external person saying to you, you shouldn't eat that bologna sandwich. It's you saying to yourself, right. this is not worth it. I do not feel good. Right. And 
if we can make it this intrinsic motivator where we're doing things because it is a choice that serves us, it's a choice that serves our identity, it's a choice that serves our health, then it becomes powerful. It becomes empowering versus something that's shaming versus something that's like, don't tell me what to do, right? It's not, somebody's not saying to you, well, don't eat the bologna sandwich because you're going to get fat, right? Like, and so many people, there's such a complicated relationship to food. And maybe when we were a kid, maybe our parents said something to us like that, like, don't eat that because it's going to make you fat. And then in our adult years, when we say to ourselves, oh, you shouldn't eat that, then the other part of you comes up and says, don't tell me that because we've had that experience as a child. Nobody likes to be told that by something that they love. Um, And most of us had either by a parent or another child at school, like we have been shamed and bullied around food. So if we shame and bully ourselves, the reaction that comes out is like a fight. Like, don't, don't, no, stop, stop telling me what to do. Um, But you can tell I'm very passionate about this because I got bullied about, about food when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, um, but if it's from the inside, if you can say like, I feel better when I do X, Y, and Z, you know, like, so my partner and I, James, we just went to Niagara Falls for a couple of days. And it was really interesting. Cause we had this, I had this experience on Saturday night because we were out doing other stuff. So we didn't eat dinner until late. And it was unbelievably good data. Cause I normally don't eat before three hours before I go to bed. And I, this is just like, I feel I eat my dinner sort of five or six o'clock, but sometimes even more hours before I go to bed. And I yeah. do that because it feels the best for me. I don't do it because I should. I don't do it because I'm doing like an intimate fast. It's not because of that. It's literally because I sleep better. And um, we didn't get to have dinner until about eight. And, you know, I said, I was like, maybe I should just not eat dinner because I'm not going to sleep well. And James was like, that's crazy. You got to eat dinner. So anyway, I had dinner. Fine. I slept so so badly. And it was crazy. And the next day I was so proud of myself because 10 years ago, I would have been really mad, mad at myself. I would have shamed myself for, you know, like eating badly. And then like, he's not sleeping well and all this stuff. And instead I just said to myself, Kathleen, this is data. This shows you that you feel like crap when you eat at like nine o'clock at night. And it's not something you want to do, not because it's not the right thing to do. And not because it's not like, you know, because another trainer would say like, you know, criticize you has nothing to do with anybody else. I felt like crap and I got the worst sleep that I've had in like the last year and great data. And it's a good example of how it's about what works for me. And Mm -hmm. I really hope that people listening can start to find the things that they feel are empowering for them, because ultimately that's what's sustainable. Like we will eventually fight things that are from the outside. Like you might do something because your doctor told you to do for a couple of weeks, but if it's purely for your doctor, eventually you won't. If it's purely for your friend or your husband or your wife, it, it's not sustainable. There has to be an eventual thing where you're like, I'm doing this because I'm working out because I need time for me. I'm eating well because I want to have energy for me. I'm going to not drink that next cup of coffee because I know that future me will not be able to sleep. Like whatever it is, it's, it's because it's the creation of the person that fits your values, the person you want to be. Yeah. And, and to like piggyback on that, it's also kind of like setting yourself up so that that work that you have to mentally do isn't so intense. Like there are people who are full on, like physically addicted to coffee. And, you know, I kind of know that feeling a little bit and I can totally understand that 
yeah, like, of course, like what's wrong with a coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon? Well, you know, that's going to rack your sleep, but the person who lives at a four is like, well, it's just what I do. But mm-hmm. if you can like do what you said, which is like, okay, instead of beating myself up over it, I go, this is data. Okay. Well then I, yes. gotta, I can reverse engineer this data and say, well, how did I get to that point at two o'clock that I felt like I needed that coffee? Well, there are mm-hmm. things you can do metabolism wise that can set yourself up so that two o'clock comes, you're not even thinking about coffee, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Have a coffee in the morning, have two coffees in the morning, Mm -hmm. have coffees up until the time that you know that you can have coffee and it's not going to disrupt your sleep, but Mm -hmm. set yourself up physiologically. Again, this is why I like nootropics and biohacking because there's a lot of tools you can use to really make this work. um, So that your body feels metabolically stable. You don't feel like you're in a blood sugar crash come two o'clock in the afternoon, which is what most people do. And now you go, oh man, I don't have to like mentally fight this feeling of wanting a cup mm-hmm. of coffee. I just am like, who needs coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know I do this every day, but I mean, seriously, who needs coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon? Right. Um, yeah, and and yeah. again, this is where I think like it's a holistic approach. It's like the full Absolutely. day gives you that one hour. Um, I completely agree. And it's a sort of circles back to what we talked about before of sort of, yes, the data, but also the um, sort of stepping back and what are the dominoes and this, the unco- like consciously competent before unconsciously competent, right? Like you have to sort of look at your day and say, okay, what do I consciously have to put in place? Like, as you said, like what foods do I have to eat or what nootropics or whatever? So that at two o'clock, it's like an unconscious thing to not even want coffee, right? So the habits that we want to create, we have to first put a lot of effort into it. So then it becomes unconscious. I often, I like to um, talk about systems with this. So the idea of what systems do you have to put in place to set your future self up for success? And I like to use the idea of Odysseus and the sirens. So I don't know if you know, it's like a Greek myth. And basically it's like, sirens are these women that are very enticing and they entice all these uh, sailors. And then the sailors go off course to this Island with these sirens. And Odysseus says like, I am not going to be enticed by the sirens, but everyone has said that, right? Everyone. It's like the, if sirens are like the cookies that are in the cupboard, everybody says, Oh, I'm not going to eat those cookies. And then eventually you eat the cookies. Right? So what Odysseus did, which is super smart is he said, I'm going to want to go to the sirens. I'm going to want to quote unquote eat the cookies. So how do I tie myself up so that my future self is not actually able to go? So what he did is he literally got all the, the, and they would have been men men on the ship to tie themselves up. So like the first maid and he was all, he was tied up. Everyone was tied up. So when they went past the sirens, they wanted to go to them, but they weren't able to, Mm. they literally physically were not able to get to the sirens. So I really believe that that's so much a part of health. You can't wish yourself. You can't say, okay, I'm just not going to eat the, 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 if we're using the cookies as sort of the like stimulus, the thing that you want, the thing that we're all going to want to do. We're all going to want to skip a workout once in a while. We're going to want to eat a bunch of shit or crap, or I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, sorry. Um, and we're going to like, you know, do things that don't serve us. We're going to want to stay up until two in the morning and watching TV or like whatever. And we have to know ourselves enough. And that's where the growth mindset comes in. You, it's a slow process of learning who you are, what are your triggers and how 
how do you tie yourself up in advance for those triggers? And whether that is foods that you have to either have or not have in the house, having a fitness buddy, having nootropics, having biohacks, like whatever it is, I, I'm very agnostic about what you use as your systems. Like, I don't care how you do it. Um, I want you to do it in a way that is going to be sustainable. That's really what I care about. Um, and, and that's, the, that's the key. So know yourself and then create systems that sort of nudge you in the right direction until the habits are that unconscious competent, right? Like that's the key is, but it takes effort to make habits habits. Um, and then once they're habits, they don't, you know, they just sort of happen. But before that, you got to do all the stuff we've been talking about. You got to know yourself and set up systems that sort of metaphorically tie the future you up. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, that's a, that's a really fun analogy. And um, so true in so many ways. Like if you can't physically like want to do something like it, it, Mm -hmm. and then you just do that day in day out consistently, whatever it is that works within your, um, you know, within your lifestyle, then yeah, it's going to, you're just going to forget about it one day. And then you're you're not going to go to that cookie. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you before we get out of here, um, because it's such like a thing I see like in the fitness and the, in the nutrition, uh, industry. I, I don't really understand it myself, but like the idea of macros, like, you know, people put so much pressure on themselves to, you know, fit this macro, fit that macro, you know, certain amount of carbs, certain amount of protein, certain amount of mm-hmm. fat throughout the day. And then depending on who you talk to, like those numbers can be, you know, more here, less there, more there, less here. So like, what is your view on, on this whole concept of fitting your macros and meeting your macros, just that kind of idea of nutrition? Yeah. So I almost, I feel like we almost would need like an entire podcast on this and I'm happy to come back and talk about it. But I think in general, that would fit into the idea that most of us, for some people, they need to count their macros, right? So the amount of protein, the amount of carbs, the amount of fat, those are the three, the the macros that we would count. But for most people, that is like optimizing the margins before they, they uh, master the base. Like most of us don't need macro counting. Like if you're in a figure competition or if you're an athlete, like that's great play around with those. But for the most part, most of us need to drink more water, eat more vegetables, don't eat processed crap. Um, you know, more fiber filled fuel, um, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. So I think my, my, I think the nutshell thing I would say is like, you know, we could go into hours about this and people do, but I think it's, I think it's really like diverting from the real issues for most people. Now, there, as I said, there are some people that, that it's like, I'm going to think of it like this way. There's like a level one and a level two of nutrition and you have to master the level one first. So if you're listening to this and you are not drinking the amount of water you need to drink and you're not sleeping the way you need to sleep and you are not maybe having sort of some type of time restricted eating where you're not sort of eating at one in the morning, like maybe it's a 12 by 12. um, And if you are eating when you're full and eating foods that don't serve you, then get that down. And then you can start to worry about the, the macros. Cause it's, 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 it can be for some people, as I said, like if you are at like, you know, 18% body fat, you're a guy and you want to get down to 12% body fat, then yeah, that's maybe something that you need to look at. It's, it's a tool. Um, but most people don't need the fancy, you know, like if you, oh, let's use the metaphor of like, most people need to, to learn how to use a hammer before they go and buy the like $5,000 worth of like power tools. Right. So, um, that's how I feel about macros is stop. Yeah. Like get the basics down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like right in line with everything we've talked about where it's like, mm-hmm. and I, and I think the mistake that a lot of people make and why they get so discouraged with fitness is they go, I want to master my macros. 
And it's like, but you don't have the food in your cabinet. Like you don't even have the palate for the food. Yeah, exactly. You, you, don't, even, to, you like, don't even know how to cook an egg. Like just, yeah. Right. No, and get your systems. And and uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is, I don't, I sort of don't want to open the, the can of worms because it can be complicated, but you also have to know, like, you know, so are you mastering your macros because somebody told you that you should go keto? But if you're female and you're trying to eat, like maybe you actually need more carbs and getting a macro where you're just doing, you know, just all protein and fat, then that's maybe going to cause you to, you know, mess up your thyroid. Maybe it's going to cause you to lose your period. Like it just, there's a lot of stuff that you have to understand about right. the body and physiology and what your goals are. So again, like if your goal is a bigger competition and that, then that's where you want to go into the macros, but you got to do it. Maybe the best way to say it is if you're going to plan to, to optimize your macros, work with some type of professional, unless you are a professional, because it is definitely going into the level two of health and wellness. And you have to earn the right to go there. Like you have to have some skills or at least be working with somebody because there is a lot of damage that you can do because food, both what you eat and what you don't eat really influences. It's not just about your weight. It influences your metabolism, your mood. Like we are what we eat. We are what we digest. We are what we absorb. So it's, um, yeah, maybe, yeah. Work with some people, do some research, know what you're getting into. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's such a perfect answer because you know, it's just so funny. Like I just went to Costco and my wife and I were joking because it's like, can you believe just how much garbage keto stuff there is out there right now? And it's such a buzz term for people like, Oh, I'm going to get these keto. Uh, what is it? What was it? Uh, tortilla chips, keto, keto Cheetos, yeah. right? Keto, know, Cheetos, yeah. keto ice cream, keto, this, keto, yeah. that. And it's like, yes, I get the place for keto. It can be an amazing, uh, you know, diet. If you, it can also really jack you up if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I know, Absolutely. I know plenty of people who have really seen amazing benefits. And for every one of those, I've seen five people that failed miserably on yeah, keto yeah. and it set them back and it did all this. Um, and you're right. Like keto, uh, not keto, but counting your macros, that's level two. That's like next level. Yeah. But if you're, if you're living every day of your life at a three or four with brain fog, with stomach issues, with hormonal issues, with, you know, depression, anxiety, keto and counting your Mac, that's like the last thing you need to do. Like you need to figure out how to get yourself from a four to a five then a five to a six yeah. and a six to a seven. And then once you're ready to start cutting body fat, for sure, go with the, yeah, go but for it. at yeah. the same time, it's like, like we just had a whole podcast. We had about 50 minutes before we jumped in this other thing of talking about all these amazing ways that you can enrich your life. And the side effect will be weight loss. It'll be that body, that mind that you want. But, you know, if you skip all that and you go to the last three minutes, where we just talked about macros and like, that's what I want. Well, you better be ready with that other stuff, because if you don't, you're going to be one of these, you know, uh, case studies of people who did these fancy diets. And now you're, you know, you got brain fog, you got all the stuff yeah. that you had that you were at four, but now it's worse. And now you're a three. So, yeah. Oh, so good to talk to you. Honest to God. I think like, I feel like we're, yeah, we're kindred spirits as Anne and Shirley would say, I don't know that maybe that probably doesn't mean anything to you because Anna Green Gables is a Canadian thing, but there's a book that I grew up reading called Anna Green Gables. It's a, it's like a Canadian classic about a young orphan girl. And anyway, she has this thing about kindred spirits. So this is basically just like people that you're meant to be friends with. And I feel that you and I are kindred spirits. Look so at that. I could talk for five hours, but I will stop talking because I need to sometimes stop talking. And I will just say thank you for being a kindred health spirit. Yeah. Well, before you stop talking, uh, why don't you tell all the holistic nootropics listeners and viewers where they can find you online, if they want to work with you, uh, your books, your Instagram handles, all that stuff. 
Uh, KathleenTrotter.com is my website and I'm fit by Kathleen T on all the socials and my book is finding your fit. And the second one is your fittest future self. Um, and both of them can be purchased, um, anywhere books are sold, but you can get them on my website. It's probably the easiest if you want to go check me out there. Yeah. Awesome. And then when, the, when releases, I'll put links to all that. So everyone can find you, they can contact Perfect. you, they can pester you on Instagram, get up in your DMs. Exactly. I know. I love, love being pestered. Yes. So yeah. So get a hold of me. If you have any questions, I love answering questions. Awesome. Well, Kathleen, this was uh, a treat. I loved it. We'll have to have you back for a round two and then uh, we can geek out on some more health and fitness stuff. Yeah. It was great just to chat with you. Absolutely. And listener, viewer, go on over to uh, Kathleen's website, friend her over on Instagram. And for more from a Holistic Nootropics, head on over to holisticnootropics.com or take a, take a gander through the Holistic Nootropics library on YouTube. Until next time, peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.